It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hello and welcome to the Upfront program. I'm Roger Bouchard. Chris Boulay has joined us. Uh, I missed you while you were going on uh, vacation. Um, I, I hope you've used all your vacation time uh, by now. We don't have that generous a policy here at the station. <laughs> but uh, welcome back anyway. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, listeners. And I had a great time, but I certainly miss you, and I certainly miss being here at 1380 WNRI AM and FM. All right. Our program brought to you in part by Chan's. Saying, enjoy the big game uh, this Sunday with Chan's delicious Chinese food. All you have to do is uh, call out at 765-1900 and uh, we'll uh, arrange delivery for your food. Um, the uh, food delivery number, incidentally, is 762-1364 and takeout is 765-1900. And... Uh, we are focusing on Valentine's Day. Every day we're open at 3 o'clock. You can take your sweetheart out, out tonight, Thursday, for Valentine's Day, or Friday, or Saturday, or Sunday, or Monday. We're open all those days. We've got some great uh, entertainment this weekend. Uh, Papa Chubby's uh, band will be in there on Friday night at uh, Chan's. And then on a little more romantic uh, side, uh, if you like uh, love songs, jazz songbird Donna Bird will be a chance. I've seen her before. Uh, she'll be uh, with the Marshall Wood Quartet. That was Tony Bennett's uh, rhythm section. Uh, so Marshall Wood's pretty well known. She'll be singing with them on Saturday night. And of course, like we said, the, the game uh, on Sunday with uh, delicious uh, Chinese food from Chan's. And then uh, on Monday, celebrate with uh, Valentine's Day at Chan's by um, taking your sweetheart there. And there's plenty of opportunities to spend Valentine's a chance. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. All right, that's our first ad of the morning. For Chance, we thank them for being a regular sponsor. Well, it's been 10 days, or thereabouts, since uh, we have been graced by your presence. And uh, a lot going on out there. What did... Um, what did you see as uh, one of the topics that uh, has evolved that's worthy of consideration? Christopher Boulay. Well, yes, it's been 10 days, but something that happened yesterday probably got my attention more. And I get to publicly admit that I was wrong and you're right about politics again in Rhode Island. And um, it's kind of a low bar, but I'm very happy with the governor getting rid of the mask mandate. Uh, Knowing one initially for everyone being indoors and eventually much to the chagrin of the unions, uh, teachers union is going to do it for kids. And uh, I've always said I thought mask on the kids was basically child abuse. It doesn't make any sense. The science doesn't support it. And the other candidates running for governor. Brown and folks and Gorbier all disagree. There's a little article in the Providence Journal. And that is the one reason that I will not even consider Brown, folks and Gorbier uh, as candidates for governor. I, I think it's a big mistake. And I applaud the governor for doing it. It's probably months and months and months too late. But at least he did it. And the others have got to be just saying it to disagree with the governor and trying to make him look bad because enough's enough and we can talk about it. We can take some calls. We can talk about the statistics. But I'm very, very disappointed in the other three and would not even consider them. And also Dan McKee, the sitting governor of Rhode Island, has um, a guy by the name of Seth Magazina to thank for uh, making his life, uh, I think, a little bit easier now, maybe um, with Seth Magazina leaving the race for governor, uh, it makes it uh, more difficult for Dan McKee to survive the primary. I don't know if uh, you had any thoughts uh, on that, uh, whether that's a bad thing or a good thing. Oh, much to uh, my surprise, he didn't call me and ask my opinion before he did it. Yeah, but I'm asking your <laughs> opinion anyway. <laughs> I... Uh you know, we, we've, we've talked about this, and it's going to be a moot point because it was going to be McKee pretty much versus uh, Magaziner for running for governor. And I was able to come up in my mind more reasons why I would support Magaziner. And one of the issues, and I just talked about it, was the, uh, the mask. I think Magaziner was completely wrong on it, and he's going to have an uphill battle. 
the first thing is he doesn't live in the second congressional district. Legally, you can run for that uh, that position, but not live in the district. So that's an issue. And then he gave, I thought, a really stupid reason running for the second congressional district is that not what he could do to help Rhode Island and help representatives in Congress and why he wanted to be the next congressman in the second congressional district. His whole premise was we cannot let that uh, that position fall into Republican hands. And if you really think about it, um, it'd probably be a very good thing for Rhode Island if it did fall into Republican hands because there's a very, very high probability historically and what's going on right now uh, at the national level that a Republican will take that seat. So, uh, excuse me, that the Republicans will take the House and will take the Senate. So you'd like to have somebody in the majority uh, and, of course, Cicilline is going to uh, be all set on, on, the, uh, on the other side. So I, I didn't like how, we, how it was handled. On the positive side is that he's raised a tremendous amount of money, as they've talked about. And, you know, to not, no one's surprise, raising money from the treasurer's spot is a very good way to go. I think he's got about a million and a half dollars. Well, he's going to convert all those checks from running for governor for running for Congress. So he's going to have a big fundraising uh, point. And then it'll be the same criticisms that he receives running for governor that for Congress. But to say I'm only running here or I have to run here because I don't want it to fall into Republican hands uh, is not what I would have written for him to say. So therefore, after all is said and done, here is what's going on. On January 1st of 2023, uh, that's uh, coming up. Uh, the governor will be Dan McKee. The congressman from the 2nd District will be Seth Magazina. From the 1st Congressional District will be David Cicilline. Uh, do you agree? <laughs> yes, I, I, I think uh, that's high probability that's what's going to happen. I don't, you know, I've made my case in my mind and I made it in this microphone why, you know, Seth would have been a better governor. I think he swung way over to the left even more than I thought he would. But having that kind of money um, to run for a congressional and be able to raise more money, I think is going to be something that's really difficult to overcome. We have a caller waiting. We're going to grab that call and uh, see what they have on their mind. And then we'll move on to other topics and other commercials, too. Hello. Hey, good morning, guys. Good, good morning. morning. Chris Boy, I know you are not in favor of digital currency. Am I correct? Well, I, I am not. If you're talking like things like Bitcoin and uh, that are not backed up by fiat, uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, St. Petersburg last week, the first house in the country sold for digital currency. I'm going to send you an article, but I don't have your email, so I'll send it up front. I'll send you the article. Actually, uh, John Dion and I spoke about that on Sunday, and he sent me the article. So I did find oh. it very, very interesting. Um, the reason I'm asking, I bring it up is, I was told by my son, who is into all this stuff, that there are digital currencies backed by gold and other currencies. Now, I don't know of any, do you? Um, I wouldn't say digital currencies, but there are exchange-traded funds that tra uh, trade on the stock exchange that are, that, you, that are backed up by commodities. So GLD is one of them. That's the symbol. And that is actually backed up by physical gold. Then you've got uh, SLV, which is backed up by physical silver. So you don't have to take actual possession of gold or silver to be exposed and have exposure to gold and silver so he may be referring to that but differentiating that from digital currency there's nothing backing it up if somehow you have you're worth 10 million dollars and 7 million dollars of it's in digital currency and somehow somebody says well they're not worth that anymore it's zero you're now worth 3 million dollars well if you have the ETFs they're actually physical gold that are being audited by uh, big four accounting firms that will say, okay, there's ETFs that are trading at $10 billion, and there's a vault in London trading with $10 billion of gold or silver. So he may have been meaning that. I, I could be wrong. A quick question before I let you go. How does this affect the tax revenues for the government? Because what you're doing is you're postponing paying on the value of the house, actually, as far as... Uh, you know, if you sell a house for $500,000, you've got to pay tax on it. But 
You can take digital, you don't. So what you do is postponing, I think, the, uh, ta- the you know, the, uh, the taxes you have to pay on it. Yes, I... As uh, regular listeners know, I, I'm an investment advisor. I don't give tax or legal advice. So I failed John Dion because I told him I was going to send that article over to Jerry Kayer and get his take on it. Jerry listens from time to time, and uh, if he's aware of it, he can call in. But eventually, th- they're going to catch up to that. So it's an end around, but it's a, it's a loophole that I'm pretty confident that municipalities and, and the government are going to close very, very quickly. Um, Digital currency in its form, I think Bitcoin was the first one, and it's only been around since 2008, 2009. So you've got to catch up with it. But if you do your tax returns, I didn't get that far, but if you do your tax returns, there's a question is, do you have digital currency? Have you you purchased it? So my estimation is they're going to close that loophole very, very quickly. Well, there's six more houses going up for sale this week, Uh, only digital currency only. Uh, I just want to bring up, then I leave you with this. uh, I know the article said it's, like trading baseball cards for a house, which I find interesting. Um, I heard that China is now going digital. India is going to experiment replacing their uh, currency with digital. And I also heard that the IMF refused Ecuador and two other countries the right to go digital because they owe too much money to the IMF. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, I bring that up to people out there because... Again, this is my opinion, and from what I've heard from experts, if the United States were to try to go digital, it would actually bankrupt the country. Am I correct? Well, one of the advantages that the United States has and how we can put put the squeeze on countries that are bad actors right now like Russia is that over 98% of all transactions in the world are settled in U.S. dollars. So it is the de facto currency of the world. So... Gold is is priced in U.S. dollars. So is silver. So is oil. Pretty much every commodity. So there's a lot of power with that, and the Chinese are not stupid. They're they're brilliant, and they're in the long game. So anything that they could do, in my personal opinion, to stop the U.S. dollar from being the de facto currency of the world would actually empower them. So they're the ones who have the power to do it. We've talked about it many, many times. I find it fascinating. United States of America has the world's largest economy, about $25 trillion. Um, a, a far second is China, around $14 trillion, and they're trying like hell to catch up with us and making, stopping the U.S. dollar from being the de facto currency in the world would be a huge uh, plus for them. Because again, they they still have to buy, you know, with that with the surplus, they still have to buy U.S. Treasuries. There's no place else to put the money, really. Okay, well, like I said, I just wanted to bring it up because I find it interesting because of everything that's happening so quickly, and we have a president that seems to lean in the direction of assisting China more than he does his own people. But that's my opinion. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, th- I think that a lot of people share that opinion. Thanks for the call. You always Thank interesting you. Co- topics. This is the upfront program. We'll take one more call before we take our break and bring up another topic. Hello, and what would you like to discuss on the upfront program today? I know it's been a while, and I have made this rebuttal on um, Larry's show, but this is the first time during the daytime after you have an open format to make a rebuttal to what the governor said when he was on the radio. And that's my intent today, and I'll I'll say this. I I hear him talking about tax breaks to get business in here, but we've still got this looming thing where we're going to shut down all the energy. And I I wish they go away from that. And, And I have an answer. I have a plan. And it's really simple. We, we get rid of this whole thing about getting rid of the carbon. And we just let people use fossil fuels, whatever they want. But at the same time, we hire the right companies to come in here and we become the first advanced nuclear state. And we don't use the molten salt thorium reactors. We use purely the molten, reactor, the molten salt reactors that can re-react nuclear waste. And we charge other states to take their nuclear waste. We re-react it down to the point where it's only dangerous for 300 years instead of 20,000 years. Now, if 300 years we can get rid of this nuclear waste in a larger state like Utah somewhere with a lot of space, and you think about it, if you, one of the things when you're going to take and have something that's radioactive for 20,000 years, can you even communicate to the generations that are living then 
how do you tell them it's dangerous if they don't speak English anymore? You don't know. Well, if you're going to cut that down at 300 years, we have people who have mortgages in Europe on castles that are 300 years long. We, we now, now you've got getting rid of this a lot of problems. It's a lot easier to maintain for 300 years. It's a lot safer. We can get rid of it a lot cheaper than we took it in. We get all this free energy. Now, we could run the entire economy uh, of Rhode Island and the government on this exchange. We could grow this to the point where we'd be selling energy to our neighborhoods, neighboring states as well as taking in the radioactive material and, and re reducing it. And that would bring prosperity, Rhode Island, rather than tr trying to cut taxes to get someone to incentivize to come here where there is no future without energy. Yeah, you, and, and, yeah. And, you, you, you have forgotten more about advanced nuclear energy than I'll ever know. I think the issue is, is, is can there somebody at the higher levels of government really carry the water. Like Rep. Langevin, whether you liked him or not, he was big in cybersecurity. Rand Paul, whether you like him or not, he's a doctor and, and he talks about uh, COVID. You know, you've got um, Ted Cruz, who's a constitutionalist, who's argued before the Supreme Court. If there was a congressman, senator, somebody who would carry the water, who could really explain it, that's where it would go. Because we can talk about it, you know, every week, but certainly we need somebody who understands the level you do and can can uh, can carry it. So we're hoping that you're going to run against uh, Cicilline in the first congressional district this year. Hopefully. Thank you, caller. We appreciate your Thanks call. Thanks a lot. This is the Upfront program on WNRI. Uh, before we go too far, yep. um, I, got, I got an email disagreeing. So if I'm going to, you know, get on the microphone and ask to be folks to disagree with me, and uh, I want to acknowledge it. So it says, funny, funny. Not supporting digital currency because it is not backed by fiat. That is the funniest thing I will hear all day. Nothing, i.e. digital currency, needs to be backed by nothing but a legislative decree, fiat. Federal Reserve notes are backed by nothing. Really, what's the difference? Uh, there is a huge difference because right now we're having inflation and our dollars are worth less and less. What do you do as an American people if you don't approve of that? You vote out <coughs> the folks who are weakening your dollar. If... Uh, Bitcoin goes to zero or it gets stolen or, or it just disappears off of the system, there's really nothing you can do. There's nobody you can go back on. So, yes, in 1972, we got off the gold standard, uh, according to, you know, Richard Nixon drove that. But at least it's backed by the full faith of the American uh, economy, the American country. So I think you're going apples and oranges with this uh, email. All right. So he's basically saying you're you're defending the status quo because it's in your interest, right? I don't know. That's if what I think. I don't know if he, I, if, if, well, that could be implied. Yeah. Uh -huh. But but frankly, if you're somebody who again is worth five million dollars and you got three million dollars in Bitcoin, and all of a sudden somebody determines that it's worth zero, now you got two million dollars. Do you want to be in that situation? And uh, you know, my company feels that it's 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 an issue. And do you want to be in a situation where you take two bitcoins and you buy a Tesla, and then all of a sudden you need three bitcoins or you need one bitcoin? Do you want to have that kind of economy? And and I think the answer is no. This is the upfront program. I just wanted to uh, comment on a, what we call a hard news story. It's not the kind of thing we usually discuss on the program, but we've been following it since 6 o'clock this morning, and it has come to an unfortunate end in Providence. And here it is. Uh, we're going to use Channel 6 as our authority here. Providence police say that a suspect during an early morning standoff that started at 2.30 this morning in Providence, he's dead. Police and SWAT members responded to Denison Street shortly after 2. 62-year-old man barricaded himself inside a home there. Police said this started when the suspect started assaulting his children in the home. Providence police tweeted that they were actively engaging with negotiations with the suspect. And then he started to shoot. And uh, this is the interesting thing about this story. He shot hundreds of rounds from his house. And uh, finally, um, uh, one round going the other way killed him. And uh, there'll be more on this story. We don't, like I said, normally cover stories like that, but we've been covering it all morning long. That standoff has ended. The man has died. Mm -hmm.
Scott McGee of REMAX Properties brings his years of real estate experience to you, whether buying or selling. Check out this property currently on the market from the McGee team. All right, right now, uh, the uh, property that we're saluting or spotlighting is on Florida Street in Woonsocket. For $294,000, you do not get South Florida weather by buying this property. You just get a Florida Street address. But it is a two-family with two to three beds per unit. Great for an owner-occupied dwelling, especially since it has a huge yard. Host all your family parties there. Play a little wiffle ball or sports or any kind. Overall, good shape of the property. Does need some of your touches to it at 294. Plenty of parking. Garage could be removed or rebuilt. Your choice. Come check it out. Cash or conventional only. Scott McGee has this property and uh, he would love to show it to you. And now I'm going to do an ad for uh, two businesses in one. Uh, one ad, that is. And first of all, I'm going to tell you about the Pomodoro. Uh, they will be open, um, well, they'll be open today, as usual, at 4 o'clock. And uh, you can take your sweetheart out to the Pomodoro Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. But Monday, when we usually close, we will be open at the Pomodoro Savinis here in Woonsocket. We have a three-course dinner at $24.95. Includes the soup, the salad, the bread bar, a choice of entrees and dessert. You can't beat it. The uh, Valentine's dinner will be served from 4 to 8 p.m. Normally closed on Mondays, but will be open this Valentine's Day, February 14th. To make a reservation at Savini's Pomodoro, give a call to Jill or or whoever uh, that uh, takes a reservation, 762 5114. And the other advertisement is for their sister restaurant, Ciro's. And um, it's been um, a, a rough, rough uh, winter, but we are happy again at Ciro's and we start luncheons. Uh, and we started them yesterday, luncheons Wednesday through Sunday. And uh, my wife and I were there on Sunday and we enjoyed uh, a nice. Um, uh, what we call chicken tender appetizer with some nice Thai sauce. My wife had the chicken wings with her ranch dressing and buffalo uh, sauce. She loved it. And we had a couple of taquita margaritas, too. We thought we were in Margaritaville. Well, not quite, but we were at Ciro's, and you can be there today. Luncheons, Wednesday through Sunday, and they have a full luncheon menu starting at ten ninety nine. We are Ciro's. Of Woonsocket. We are Savini's Pomodoro of Woonsocket. And uh, we are the Upfront Program. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. We welcome back Chris Boulay uh, with us. And uh, he'll be with us uh, not only today, but uh, can you join us a couple of times next week? Absolutely. I've got you logged in. And we're talking about a whole bunch of topics. We have some callers waiting. But uh, before we do that, can you uh, bring up one more topic to to get my old uh, uh, brain threads moving here? Absolutely. Um, We uh, tend to be more conservative. We don't often agree with Nancy Pelosi. And she's kind of flip-flopped in this, so I'm not sure if I agree with her. But there's been a lot of pressure on Congress right now to actually stop trading in stock. There's some issues where there's been some lack of reporting where um, congressmen and women are being accused of using information uh, in healthcare, knowing about COVID. So now there's a real push to stop trading stocks before all congressmen. And so Pelosi kind of agreed with that under a lot of pressure. And then she kind of put everything into the mix by saying it should also affect judges and what have you. So it's kind of interesting, but it's, it's so myopic because the th- first thought I had when I'm hearing about this is, you know, you can make money on bonds, too. So if you know certain companies are going to do better or worse based on uh, information that you have that may not be public, you can make money on bonds. So why this fascination with stocks only? It's just such a knee-jerk reaction. They just haven't really thought about it. So whether it happens or not, there's also the issue of right where we saw in, um, in Georgia where we had Kelly Loeffler who had some trades that were 
thought to be questionable by the voters, and she made money on the COVID issue, and uh, she was voted out of office. So sometimes we make rules and laws that we probably shouldn't. And here was a situation in Georgia that it cost uh, Kelly Loeffler her position as a senator because of what she did. So if you make that information public, sometimes the voters can decide. But do you really want to limit the number of people who want to be in Congress? And more importantly, not more importantly, but on a broader level, why just stocks? Why don't you make it other things that you can make money on uh, with uh, inappropriate inside information? All right, we're going to take a few calls. Email, hey, Booch. That's a, a nickname that some people give to me. Hey, Booch, when you read, <clears throat> when you read the news report this morning, you told us about the guy who set uh, his couch on fire and is now going to prison. Yeah, we ran a story. It was in, uh, he did it back in 2021. And um, it was not a very pleasant story. Was the guy's name Vasquez? No, it wasn't, but something like it. Next time Chris Boulay's buddy is on, the current Attorney General Peter Narona, ask him if the guy uh, he just sent to prison for arson was an illegal alien. Uh, I bet you all the money in my pocket he is. Remember, the current attorney general says illegals are not a Rhode Island problem. Any and, comment? Well, yeah, and not to de defend their owner, but I, when I heard that story this morning, my first thought was, how about the guy who lit the Fox Christmas tree on fire in New York and got out on bail? And it sounds like the last I heard, they're not going to do much to him, and that could have burned down an entire building. So it's interesting juxtaposing Rhode Island uh, laws and the way they are prosecuted to the full extent of the law for 10 years and somebody in New York City trying to burn down a building that could have burned down, trying to burn down a tree, burn down a tree that could have burned down a skyscraper, um, actually getting off scot-free. I think we've entered a new era. I mean, somebody can walk into Walmart, steal a whole bunch of things and walk out and uh, not worry about it, right? Yeah. And you walk in and you pay. <laughs> that makes sense to me, I think. Uh, you ready for a call? Absolutely. Okay, we've got a couple of waiting here. Hello, what do you want to talk about on the Upfront program today? <laughs> I'm going to be fast. It's 8.33. Okay. Number one, I have an amaryllis that's about to bloom, and it's making me happier than anything since the 2020 fraudulent election. Number two, look for the name David White in Pennsylvania. There's a drip, drip, drip about what went on in 2020, and I am waiting for those shoes to drop. Number three, am I, am I the only one listening to your station? Yes, you're the only gentleman. one. Shush, shush now, Mr. Bouchard. Oh, sorry. Mr. Pink, Mr. Pink Bunny Rabbit <laughs> slippers. Look, there was a guy on um, John Dion's show, Alan Waters. The guy sounds like a great candidate in the 1st Congressional District. Don't give it away. I like David Cicilline, but I hate his politics. When and I heard I uh, Mr. Boulay sort of rec suggest that that was the only candidate, I didn't want to correct him because he'd been on vacation and wanted to be nice to him. Oh, didn't, 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 wa didn't Waters run it before and get crushed? Yes, by Jack Reed, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yes. Okay. Against Jack Reed. So this guy really wants to serve, number one. Number two, Jack Reed has been riding on whatever, whatever he, I don't know why people are so in love with this guy. He went to West Point, but he never served. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. I don't know Mr. Waters. Don't know him at all. But he seems like his views are in line with my views. And so, therefore, I intend to try to support him. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, that's another thing. Now, I really try to listen to things that I don't have, number one, any interest in, number two, any knowledge of. <laughs> Bitcoin, uh, whatever. But, listen, I know that I am probably a very... Um, Look, I'm not, the, I'm not the regular listener, I guess, because nobody seems to relate to anything I say. But at any rate, thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to talk about my amaryllis. 
about uh, Mr. Waters, Thank you. who um, is probably going to win, and redistricting. We can't just worry about mail-in ballots. And don't, we have yeah. to watch. And don't sell yourself short. We're, we're enamored with you, so we think you're wonderful. <laughs> Thank you for your call. So is everyone else listening. Oh, oh my God, you are such a BS artist, Mr. <laughs> Boulay, but I like you. <laughs> Bye. Likewise, Bye. I like you. Thank you. All right, let's grab another call on the Upfront program. What do you want to talk about today? I'm, I'd like to talk about our representative from Woonsocket, or maybe a senator. She was on a town council, a woman, what was her, what's her name? Melissa Murray. Senator <laughs> Melissa Murray. Oh, yes. I was surfing, not feeling well, uh, and they had the... Uh, um, the, the meeting for this new law that requires, through the Department of Ed, national, uh, students from the sixth grade uh, through high school would take a health course. This health course, on our dime, mind you, would teach young people how to pleasure themselves correctly. She, they mentioned, eight women that support that supports this. And our representative, yours and mine, is one of them. Did right there and then. Roger, is this the one that was brought up to the uh, to the mayor uh, yesterday? Yes, uh, Senator uh, Mack. Yeah, so right. it's the same. It's the same uh, legislation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes. I liked. I liked what the mayor said uh, that she wouldn't support anyone who who supported that, and I could not agree more with with our mayor. Um, it, it, I, I think it's wrong, and it, we're trying to teach the kids the basics, and we're going here and doing things that uh, are involving the parent and. If I think about it, one of the most insidious things was the book that Hillary Clinton wrote, It Takes a Village. What it means is you're not able to raise your children anymore. We want the government to raise it, raise your children. So um, I don't know if I could say it any better than uh, Lisa Baldelli Hunt said it yesterday. Well, I can tell you, I live in a republic. I, I, I don't live in a socialist country, uh, though I'm beginning to wonder. Uh, by the way, I, I followed Waters last time when he was running. And he spoke intelligently. He spoke with common sense. I want to find out, and if anybody knows, I will work for him. And whoever's vote, running against uh, our uh, lady from one socket, I will go door to door for you. Nobody because has come forward yet. I just wanted to let you know. Oh, God. No one so I'm far. So Why don't you? But I'll tell you, I'd even run him just for the hell of it. Because at this point, this is unbelievably asinine. And if you think that the state should take away what a parent should be doing, there's, you know, there's a fine line. And it doesn't pertain to us. It's our tax dollar. Anything that's being passed, they're working for us. It's our tax dollar. So, people, remember this woman and the eight that they mentioned. I will get those names, and I will give them to you. Because, and, and the first one that spoke was overjoyed about it. Because she must have a dull life. That's why she wanted it. But uh, in the call before you, I agree with everything she says. Uh, I'm old school, and I still believe we live in this great republic. And um, and that if we don't start reading the Constitution and following it and not trying to change it, we may survive. But if we don't, we're in trouble. Thank yeah, you, before, before Before you go, I'm assuming you have access to the Internet. It, it's www.allen, A-L-L-E-N-W-A-T-E-R-S, allenwaters.com. Okay, I will get on that. Uh, even after surgery, uh, if you see uh, an elderly lady with a walker uh, <laughs> going up steps, not gingerly, there's some people we've got to get in there, and I will work for him. Excellent. Trust me. Thank you. Thanks, you for, thanks for the call. All right. The state senator that we're talking about, just for the record, um, that we talked about in the news yesterday, that we talked about with the mayor yesterday, that we talked about with v Valerie Gonzalez on the day before, is... Tiara Mack, she's from the 6th Senatorial District here in Rhode Island, which is in Providence. She uh, came to uh, Rhode Island to study at Brown University. She was uh, raised um, in the South, and uh, one of her uh, big, um, big things is the um, support of the L. 
LGBTQ community in Rhode Island and uh, a lot of other issues associated with that. And her bill would call for uh, for sex education with uh, pre-K and first and second graders and um, uh, even subjects like masturbation uh, and pleasuring yourself would be okay to teach to uh, the youngsters of that age. And a few people, including Valerie Gonzalez and the mayor, objected to it. Are you all for that? Uh, well, I agree. <laughs> to make sure I clarify, you, you sound like that was a double negative. So <laughs> I, I agree with the mayor and I agree with Ms. Gonzalez. I heard her as well. Thank you. Um, you get the government that you deserve. And if mm-hmm. somebody like that is continued to, to be, quote, our voice in uh, the Rhode Island House of Representatives or the Rhode Island Senate, um, we, we don't want that. It uh, also says, what, what is the nature of the neighborhood in the 6th Senatorial District? That uh, would uh, elect somebody with uh, that uh, frame of mind unless um, unless I'm out of step with the world. And um, sometimes I feel I am. Well, well, I think it goes back to my, my basic tenet. Putting aside those issues that should be dealt at the, home, at the home, you start having issue after issue after issue that, the par- that you take away from the parents and you uh, give it to the government, you're going to have problems. You're going to have problems, and if that's the direction you want, and again, I quote uh, uh, Miss, Miss Hillary Clinton, uh, it, it's a direction that we don't want to go in, and I think it's un-American, and it's going to disrupt the nuclear family, which some groups want to have happen. Let's take a few more phone calls here on the Upfront program. What do you want to talk about today? Good morning, Roger. Good morning. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Um, Chris, uh, besides the stock market and the banking system, where would you put your money today? Oh, that's a that's a lo- that's a loaded question because <laughs> that's something that I'd be giving advice to um, to to an entire audience, which which I really can't. What I can tell you is that it's been proven by Nobel economic prize winners that over 90% of your returns will come from asset allocation. So if you look at a chart in the back last 20 years that has every asset category, large cap growth, large cap value, small cap, fixed income, commodities, there's no pattern. So somebody who's looking to have money in perpetuity the Rhode Island uh, Pension Plan, Harvard University, Brown University, Notre Dame University, they're investing in a lot of different asset classes. So you can go to various websites like UBS and Morgan Stanley and Merrill Lynch, and you can probably find their top 10 ideas. Uh, we have 22 for 22, but you can go online and look at them. So it's a, it's a, it's a question I would love to answer. But um, it's one that I, I probably shouldn't. But asset allocation is, is, is paramount. If you look at some people who have invested in Bitcoin and made money, uh, Elon Musk, uh, a brilliant guy, I follow him. He put in billions of dollars into Bitcoin, but it was a very small part of his net worth. And he's also selling a lot of stock right now because he didn't want 100% of his net worth tied up in one company. So um, having said all that, I'll... I'll take a follow-up question. A follow-up question, Chris. Uh, in case of, uh, in light of the uh, banking crisis that we had in Rhode Island, the uh, credit union banking crisis, in which uh, thousands of people were locked out of their banks and they couldn't even get into their safe deposit boxes. In light of that, uh, in the case of a cyber attack on the banking system, do you think it would be prudent to have uh, some cash on hand? Uh, maybe about uh, five months of your uh, uh, five months of your uh, bills and uh, expenses uh, on hand and available to you because maybe uh, with the cyber attack you wouldn't be able, even able to get into the bank into your safe deposit box. My my, my my personal opinion, I'm speaking for myself, is I don't I don't think that's necessary. The, the banks, the, the world's largest banks, which I happen to work for one of them, they're being attacked, cyber attacks, every day. So my, my gut would be is that the recovery time, and this just speaking generalities, would probably be pretty short to think that it would be out there. But again, I remember I worked uh, in the 80s when I was at uh, Bryant University. I worked for a small bank in Cranston called Domestic Safe Deposit Company, and Nat Baker was the owner. And it was a small 
bank, maybe it was less than a billion dollars in assets, but he was hellbent, and I say this in a positive way, to get out of RISDIC and get into FDIC because he could see what was going to happen. So if you have an FDIC bank um, and there are companies all over the world who are divvying up where you could have a million dollars in that bank, but they chop them up into four different banks so you have FDIC coverage. So if you're in the FDIC, I don't think it's necessary, but I think everyone would probably want to carry a little bit of cash, but five months I, I think is unnecessary. Having said that, having said that, there's no real economic loss because the bank's not paying anything anyway, so... Right, right, exactly. Yeah, thank you, sir. Thanks for the Chris, call. Thanks for being there, Chris. No, thanks for your calls. We very much appreciate it. Another call on the upfront program, and then maybe another topic. Hello there. What do you want to talk about today? Oh, first of all, I thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, the politicians remind me of that saying, Roger, that your mother used to say about. Yay for me and heck with thee. Yes, hooray for me to hell with you is uh, <laughs> yeah. often what my mother would say to me when I was selfish, ignorant, and stupid. Yes. That one, <laughs> that one single time in your life, right? <laughs> I heard it a few <laughs> times to remember it. Well, and that's just like some of the politicians today. This thing about insider trading, Martha Stewart went to prison for insider trading for a lot less money than what Pelosi made. I think they're trying to pass something to stop these politicians from insider trading. Why should they have that benefit when they don't allow anybody else? It's the same thing when they go to parties. They, they don't wear masks, but they tell you you have to wear one. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I addressed that a little bit, and I agreed with Nancy Pelosi's initial position. There's something called the Stock Act which was passed in 2012 to prevent uh, politicians from self-dealing and insider trading. And the point I was trying to bring up, and I try to look at things in a wider viewpoint than maybe the politics of the day, that's kind of my hobby. And there's other things that you could be buying. It's not just stocks. There's a gentleman named Michael Milken who went to jail for insider trading on a bond. He was, he was the bond king in the 80s, and he made a ton of money on junk bonds. So the point I'm trying to make is they want to signal in on stocks because so many people, and this is not self-serving. If I was a financial advisor or not, I'd be saying this. But it's not just stocks. There's so many other things. What I would say is Nancy Pelosi has a is a special circumstance because her husband is a very good, wealthy person who does trading. But for a typical congressman, it's very easy to protect yourself. You hire a financial advisor and you have that person manage your portfolio and, and you don't do the stock picking. That's what I, what I personally do for 98% of my clients is I don't call them and say, pick XYZ stock. We hire money managers to do that. So it's a very easy fix. But at the end of the day, if the information is brought to light, like I mentioned, uh, uh, Kelly Loeffler, the uh, junior senator in, um, in Georgia, she was kicked to the curb because she had done that. So to, to expand it, you, you haven't really thought it. It's just a knee-jerk political reaction to pick on stocks and not on other asset classes that you can make money on as well. Thank you. But, you know, at my age, of, you know, I'm 83 years old, I think of the terrible things these politicians do now that's going to uh, affect people that have uh, grandchildren coming up. Terrible, terrible what they're doing. Have a good day. Yeah, thank thank you. you. Thanks for the call. Email or writes to the program. Good morning, Chris and Roger. That's us, in my opinion. The only reason that McKee is ending the school mask mandate is because seven other Democratic states announced it. They're relaxing mask mandates. I give McKee zero credit. Parents are finally stepping up to the plate. Chris asked me who'd I support for governor. I'd say slim pickings, and I refuse to support any progressive. Who do you suggest? And that's signed Sandra. I, I, I think Sandra brings up a great point. Why my question would be, or the comment I would make, is there's really two issues that trouble me with the other three candidates who are running against McKee. The first one is that they're lying about their position uh, to 
to disagree with McKee in that they actually would agree with Dan and get rid of the mass mandates with the other governors. The, the second issue is they would actually not agree with them and they would stop the mass mandates from, from being uh, waived. So in either instance, those other three I, I have no consideration for. So is the bar very low, Sandra, on and what he did? Absolutely. But it's a bar that couldn't be met by the other three uh, candidates running for governor. Somebody's going to have to be governor. And at this point in time, as I hear right now, um, Roger was correct. And uh, if Seth was still in the um, running as governor and he criticized McKee uh, for waiving the mask mandate like the other three, I could not support him as well. And another listener reminds us in an email that Senator Tierra Mack, was elected to office and did not even have a legal Rhode Island ID. Oh, she that's did, the one. Yeah. yeah. She did not even have a legal Rhode Island driver's license. She was stopped by the police and still had a license from another state after being elected a state senator. She is a left-wing liberal plant, P-L-A-N-T, Sierra Mack. Your senator from Rhode Island, Providence, 6th District. Hello. What do you want to say on the Upfront program? So I, I think a lot of people are going to disagree with me. I actually do not think Congress should be banned from trading stocks. I think that we have, I think we should have legal processes and mechanisms and guardrails in place. Like the big R word, recusal. You have to recuse, you know. And, you know, I think if you are going to serve on a, in, on a banking committee, at that point, you should have to disclose certain things. I think you should have to uh, sign affidavits under oath, under penalty of perjury. And, and you know, if you're going, if, if that you will not trade stocks that are related to anything that you will be uh, overseeing, whether it be whatever, lottery or banking or housing or anything like that. So I definitely, I do not think that we should punish the entire Congress for the actions of a few really, really shady people. I don't know if you guys have thoughts. Well, yeah, I'm kind of agreeing with you. The first premise is why pick on stocks? There are all the asset classes that you can get an advantage on. I use bonds as an example. And then going back to your point, it makes sense, as I mentioned three times, this is the third time, Kelly Loeffler, who seemed to do a pretty good job in representing Georgia, but her stock trading came to light and she was voted out of office. Um, do you want to make it really even harder to get good Congress people? I find it very scary that the third person in line for president is, is Nancy Pelosi. And so we don't have a very deep bench. We've got um, David Cicilline, I think, is the fourth or fifth uh, highest ranking congressman. So do you want to make it even harder for people to you know, be part of the political process. I think the answer is no. Um, but uh, Pelosi announced that she wanted to run again. Those thoughts that she was going to be a lame duck uh, speaker, and she's running again, and she's appeasing. Um, I guess there's about 35 of them who want this to happen. But um, I, I, I don't agree because it's very myopic and it's very knee-jerk reaction to to uh, an issue that yeah. I don't think is that big of a deal. I I, I think there's one more thing to, to, to add, and, you know, I, I think we agree, but um, it, it doesn't matter. You could look into my finances or Chris Boulay's or Roger Boulay's. If you, you There's some going to be some connecting tissue to something that you could possibly be overseeing in office. There's no way to, to sever that, you know. I mean, when Joe Manchin uh, voted for something, they dug into it, and they found some obscure thing that he was invested in that he didn't even know he was invested in. And they say, see, see, he's invested in this industry. He's always... It doesn't matter. The, the, the journalists are always going to find some way to discredit you and say, well, well, he's bought off by the pharmaceutical industry. You know what? He invested in Viagra in 1998. You know what I mean? So there's just there's two, the, the, the press will always find a way to connect you with anything you're overseeing. So I think it's dangerous. I think it's my opposite. The, then, then, it, then it becomes the, the – uh, I'll leave you with this point. Then it becomes the old issue. Do you want somebody successful running and being your congressman, or do you want somebody who doesn't have two nickels to rub together? If somebody was successful, they're, they're probably going to be intelligent and probably do a better job than you know somebody who, who doesn't. So if you start eliminating successful people from, from being part of the political process, you're going to get the government that you deserve. Agreed, agreed. Hope you guys have a good one. You too. Thank you. Honey Shop open uh, today. Uh, matter of fact, they're open seven days a week. If you love food, you'll love us at the Honey Shop. Some of the things that uh, 
we're teaching people about wood burning. Uh, learn the basics and uh, you, uh, you can get a, a wood burning tool and create your own amazing art pieces. Uh, that's one of the things that you can learn at the Honey Shop. Of course, you can buy some of their great products at the Honey Shop. And then you can uh, also participate in some of their upcoming seminars at the Honey Shop. These are small groups uh, where you can learn, uh, for instance, on February 20th, how to make pasta. Where you can learn on March 5th how to make sourdough bread and other classes, too. The Honey Shop, 1300 Park Avenue in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. And uh, we remind you that we have some nice gourmet gift baskets and boxes and handcrafted jewelry and essential oils and fragrance oils and skin care products, total body health products, supplements, and so much more. The Honey Shop of Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Well, a few more minutes left here to the Upfront program. And I know you have a, a list of topics, but the good news is you'll be here next week with us uh, to uh, cover some of those topics. But how about one for today? Well, absolutely. Um, adding to a, the list of things that um, I'm not good at, I'm not an actuary, but one of the things that brought my attention as we go through this whole pandemic is something called excess deaths. So life insurance companies insure people. They expect a certain amount of people to die, and they have to cover those losses. That's kind of the more direct thing, but their excess death is... Uh, yes, you know, plus or minus, regardless of life insurance. But in the fourth quarter, I got this from uh, research from a UBS. Um, the annual sent this to me this morning, which I very much appreciate. The Center for D Disease Control data showed that there were excess deaths were approximately 28% over normal in the fourth quarter of 2021. Contributing to that figure were non-COVID deaths that were over 10%. And I tie that into John Hopkins, who, Johns Hopkins, who did a study very reliable source of information saying that these lockdowns only presented 0.2% of deaths. They only uh, prevented that. So these uh, lockdowns were awful. They hurt a lot of people. They increased suicide. They increased cancer deaths because people couldn't get to their chemo treatment. On and on and on and on. And we have to learn from this. Um, I don't know if people should be put in jail, but we have to learn from the the way this happened and make sure that we don't lose our rights again. There's no difference from the American people from Australia or, or other countries or Canada. It's our constitution. And if we don't respect the constitution, we're no different than the rest of the world. Well said, uh, Mr. Boulay. Well, uh, I, I think we're out of time here on the Upfront program. I think we have time for a, a quick message from uh, one of our sponsors. And that sponsor will be open all day on Valentine's Day and will be open all weekend long Valentine's weekend. Enjoyable dining or your favorite pickup order to go from Grumpy's Restaurant in Bellingham. Open seven days a week with a great luncheon menu starting at just $5.99. And a little full menu from burgers to steaks to seafood and great Italian dishes including tasty pizzas. One of the best menus in the area. Hungry today or tonight? Well, come on in and enjoy friendly service, reasonable prices, and great food at Grumpy's. Call ahead for pickup Order or place a reservation to dine in at 508-883-0101. Grumpy's, 190 Pulaski Boulevard in Bellingham. And the hub delivery yeah. available. And the kitchen is open uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights until midnight for your convenience. See you tomorrow on Upfront.